All right, we're going to go ahead and jump into the series uh, of courage. We're in, uh, been in this series about courage. About I kind of felt like God was was placing on my heart throughout this um, this early part of the year, and I'm excited about sharing this next. Uh, you know, this next message with you. I'll be honest with you, I'm a little like, you know, I want to make sure I communicate well today because I know that there could be some misunderstanding. So um, before we even really jump in, I'm going to just pray and uh, ask God to help me in this moment. So Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come together. And Father, I just pray that just for a, a, a new level of clarity, Father, for a new understanding of the word that I believe you've placed on my heart for this moment, in this time, and that, God, that this would be um, just, just an opportunity for you to show us things, help us understand things, for us to know you better, and to experience you in a new, powerful way. Uh, we love you, Father, and we thank you. And again, I ask for your help in this moment. We love you, and we thank you. Again, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as we've been kind of looking at courage and things like that, we've been kind of dealing with a lot of things that have kind of been interesting and different over the last nine months or so. Maybe that's a little bit longer now. It's hard to kind of tell where everything happened. But one of the things that I've learned about courage is courage has an enemy. And, and it's interesting as, we were, as I was putting this series together, I, I, I don't I remember I mentioned this or not. But I, uh, John Gardner put together our graphics uh, for this series, and he did a great job. And he sent me two or three different ones that I could kind of pick from. And so I kind of looked and said, oh, kind of like this one, or let's change this one a little bit. But one of them that he actually had was, it just looked like a, a, a furry animal-looking thing, okay? And on the furry animal, all there was was this, this little, like, metal, and on it said the word courage. Now... I saw that and I immediately knew what it was because I grew up not in Kansas, but very close to Kansas. And basically we grew up, like many of you, every year it seems like uh, the Wizard of Oz was on television. And we would watch the Wizard of Oz. And one of my favorite characters in the Wizard of Oz was the Cowardly Lion. And if you know anything about the story, basically, I hate to ruin it for you, but at the end of the story, he's looking to get some courage because he's afraid. He's cowardly. He's, he's running away from all the things. Dorothy at one point slaps him across the face and he begins to cry. And so he goes to the Wizard of Oz and he gets his courage. And that is symbolized in this medal that says courage on it. And I always remember watching that as a kid and I always enjoyed that. I always liked his voice. Because he'd always say, you know, he'd, he'd get his little badge and he'd say, courage. Ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth? You know, and I used to love that character. And so when I saw that, I immediately thought about that. But one of the things that we have to understand is courage has an enemy, and it's fear. It's being afraid. It's these, these two things that are going head to head. And, and just looking at our world today, I truly believe this. I believe that in our world, there is a, a, a new level of fear that has been released. And I, I will go as far as to call it a demonic spirit of fear that we are dealing with that this world has never seen before. And fear is a, a, a fight with courage all the time because what we tend to see is, is it's hard to have courage when you're afraid. It's hard to do the things that God's asked you to do when you're afraid. And so in the, in the, the making of this series and in thinking over the last couple of months, and even, you know, throughout the last year, it's, it's, I've seen such fear in people. And I thought, God, how can I, as a shepherd, how can I communicate to that? Because, because we'll see in a minute, there's some, these two ideas are very much diametrically opposed. And I was like, how can I share from your word the truth that we need to understand here? Because here's the thing. I totally get why somebody that doesn't know Christ would be afraid, and not just in this season. And here's the thing. Let me stop here. I know the thought in this moment is going to be this is just for this season that we're going through right now. This message could have been spoken 10 years ago, 30 years ago, or 20 years in the future. Okay, I know where our minds are going to go, and that's completely fine. But this is a truth from God's word that is more than just a seasonal truth. It is a truth that we need to hold on to throughout. And so as I was looking at this, I was like, God, how can we, how can we 
communicate this in the right way so that we as Christians who should be different than those that don't know Christ live differently and live in a way with courage and not in fear. And what's interesting is I was looking at this and thinking about this, the concept kind of came to my mind. Now, if you know me at all, you know I like sayings. I kind of grew up hearing certain types of sayings all the time, and I've always enjoyed those. And one that I remember hearing growing up, and it never made sense to me. Now, someone probably can say, well, this is why, and if you want to talk to me afterwards, I would love to hear the reason here. But the concept was always, well, how how do you fight fire? Okay? Now, to me, that's very easy. You fight fire with water, unless it's a grease fire. And then, and then I don't know what you do. You throw baking soda on it or something. Some of you really know what to do. And you, please tell me that later. Hopefully my wife knows. So if I start a grease fire, she'll know what to do. And we don't burn the house down. <laughs> Whatever, okay? But the, that's not the phrase, is it? The phrase is you fight fire with fire, okay? And so as I was praying about this, God, how do I communicate this? What do we What what do we need to understand here? What's the truth that you want us to understand? It was like God said, no, you need to understand something. And this is the first point that in our notes is you don't fight fear with other things. You fight fear with fear. Fighting fear with fear. Now that might not make sense to you, just like it doesn't make sense to fight fire with fire. But hopefully here in a minute we're going to understand what I believe God was sharing with me about this particular topic in this moment. So let's look at 2 Timothy 1. In 2 Timothy 1, it says this in verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of, of a sound mind. I use the New King James Version because I, I, this, was, this was a song that we would literally sing growing up. And I taught Easton this when he was a little boy, when he would be scared. We would go into his room and, Dad, I'm scared. Dad, I'm afraid. And we would look. I said, Easton, listen, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And we'd have actions and all that sort of stuff we do, you know, and he'd enjoy that and all that sort of stuff. But, but the concept here is interesting. We need to understand, to understand this idea of fear fighting fear, we need to understand a little bit about this verse. You see, we typically focus on the power, the love, and the sound mind, or self-discipline, some other translations show us, which is great and fine and dandy. But there's another thing we need to focus in on. First of all, it says, God has not given us. Okay? So if God hasn't given us something, it came from someplace and somewhere. And I would say, as we talked about this earlier, that this is a demonic understanding. This is a demonic thing that the enemy is trying to do to harm individuals, churches, and our world. And so if God hasn't given us this, the enemy has. So we need to understand that. We need to get that. And the second thing, there is something that the Bible calls a spirit of fear. It is a spirit of fear. I do believe this is greater and different than just a simple, oh my goodness, I'm a little nervous right now. Or, or I'm watching a scary movie right now. But it is literally a spirit that comes and, as we'll look in a second, begins to control and begins to move us in certain directions in certain ways. And as I look at our world, I don't think anybody that could look at our world could not see at this particular moment a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear. So the question then becomes, as I looked at it, how do we defeat or conquer a spirit of fear? How do we do that? How do we handle this? Because again, this is a greater situation than just normal fear. How do we overcome it? We're more than overcomers through Christ. So what do we need to do to overcome it? And that's where this idea of fighting fear with fear really came from. Because I really believe to overcome a spirit of fear, we have to have a greater fear. A greater fear. Because here's what I believe, your greatest fear, the thing that you fear the most, will be the thing that controls you the most. So what kind of fear are we supposed to have? Well, the Bible is very, very clear, and it calls it the fear of the Lord. The fear 
of the Lord. If you want to overcome the spirit of fear, you have to have a greater understanding and a greater control of your life by the fear of the Lord. Now let's stop here for a second so let me understand something. This is not the concept of being afraid of God. I spent a lot of time this week looking at the original Hebrew and all these things. What, what, what does this idea and this concept mean, this fear of the Lord? Because we see it both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what I kept seeing from, from just my own research and research of people a lot smarter than I am is this concept of reverence, this concept of awe, this concept of obedience. And what was interesting to me, right, going back to the original Hebrew, this understanding of knowledge. It was this understanding of understanding the heart and the character of God. Okay? So this is not, oh my goodness, God wants me to be afraid of him. But it is an understanding of us being in so much awe of him that we're going, whoa, this is, this is an awesome moment. This is a great moment. This is huge. And to break it down even more, to make it even more simple, this is in your notes. I think this is kind of what we need to remember when it comes to the difference between the spirit of fear and the fear of the Lord. The main goal of the spirit of fear is to get all the attention off of God. Think of our world today. Think about, and again, this is not just the last nine months. You look at our world and our culture, everything about it that has come from the enemy has been a desire to take God out of everything. Out of school, out of life, out of home, out of buildings, everything. It is, it is the goal of the enemy and the goal of the spirit of fear to get all the attention off of God. Off of God. So what is the main goal of the fear of the Lord? Pretty simple. It is to take all the attention and to put it on God. That's it. You want to have the fear of the Lord? Then your attention is on Him. You want to have an understanding of that concept? That you, you, everything is about Him. Every situation you put in His hands. Every situation that you see, you see uh, not just the situation you're dealing with, but a God who is great, mighty, and strong, and that can take care of those things and help us in those moments. Yeah, it's, it's reverence. Yeah, it's respect. Yeah, it's honor. Yeah, it's awe. Yes, it's knowledge. But you know, when you break it all down, it's basically just a focus on God that says, you know what? I'm not going to let the cares of this world, I'm not going to let the things that are going on, even though they're important, even though they're, they're, they're something we think about, we're not going to let those take the first place that belongs to God. That belongs to him in all things. So now that we kind of understand this concept of fighting fear with fear, let's move on in our notes and, and really understand, because this is where we're kind of at. It takes courage to have the fear of the Lord. It takes courage to have the fear of the Lord. Now listen, we're, we're going to look at several verses this morning. We could have done double or triple this, but I kind of wanted just to show you a couple because, but this is a concept that is literally from Genesis to Revelation. It is throughout the Bible. And it's important that we get this, okay? God doesn't waste ink, okay? He knew what he was doing and he wanted us to understand this. But let's start Again, just a couple, but let's look at Proverbs 9.10. In Proverbs 9.10, this is what we see. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Think about our world today. Think about the times. Maybe not that. Just think about us. Do we really, are, are, are we showing a lot of good judgment right now? I don't think so. Why? Because we're not starting at the right place. We as Christians aren't starting with this fear of the Lord. We're starting with a spirit of fear. And therefore, if we don't have the foundation, we're not going to have the judgment that God's called us to have or the wisdom that God's called us to have. We're walking around. The blind is leading the blind here in this situation because we're not starting with where we need to start. Look at Psalms 27. In Psalms 27, this is one, this is what it says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who? I mean, you stop and you think about what this song is saying. It's basically saying, hey, when you got God, when you have a fear of Him and a respect of Him, when you, when you are walking with God and talking with God and being with God, and God never leaves us, folks, why are we so afraid? Why are we so concerned? This is in your notes. It's important you catch this. When I fear the Lord, I have nothing else to fear. When I fear the Lord, I have nothing else to fear. Now listen, you can be concerned about things. This is not a message. This is, hey everybody, let's go down to I-25 and play in the highway. Wouldn't that be fun? God will keep us safe. This is not, hey, let's get in an airplane, jump out of it without a parachute, and let God save us. There is wisdom and discernment that we need to use. God has not called us, listen, hear me here, God has not called us to be foolish. But he has called us to be faithful and to understand that when we are on with, when we're with God, well, what are we going to fear? What, what do we need to fear? Listen, we win. We win. Can we be concerned? Sure. Do we have to live in a weird sense of just acting like everything's fine? You remember, the, the, I think it's the gift or the meme or whatever the kids call it today. I'm old, I don't know. And it's the, the person and there's fire all around. I'm fine, I'm fine. And then they begin to melt. I'm not saying we need to live foolish lives. We, we live in hard times. But you know what? We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to have a spirit of fear. So let's look at this. Reasons why... We should want to have the fear of the Lord. You know, again, when you hear that word fear and you don't really understand what that word means, it can kind of seem strange. So let's look at this. Why do we want this? Why is this important? Let's look at Psalms 25. We're going to go through a lot of verses here. Psalms 25, 14. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. Okay? Why is that important? Why do I want... Why? It brings us closer to God. The fear of the Lord brings us closer to him. I love here that we see this idea of friend, this idea of teacher, this idea of when we fear God, we have a closer relationship with him. We should desire that. We should want that. Proverbs 19.23. Let's look at this one together. In Proverbs 19.23, fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. Security. Why? Why do we want to do this? It brings security to my life. Now, I could have said protection, but I like that word security right now. Because you know what I find? We are living in a life in a world where there's not a lot of security. And God's like, you want protection? You want security? Fear me. Fear me. Know me. Respect me. Have a reverence and awe for me. It will bring security to your life. And so many of us need that. So many of us need that right now. Let's look at Luke. Luke 1.50, it says this. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Now listen, one of the reasons I put this one specifically was for a couple reasons. One, it's New Testament. Because a lot of times we have this concept, oh, fear of the Lord, that's the Old Testament. Oh, that's, that's, that's a different concept. No, 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 no. No, this goes throughout Scripture. We see this concept here. And what's interesting is in this, we see that, that it is from generation to generation. What's that concept meaning? What, what, does that, what is that trying to get us to understand? It goes on and on and on. And here's the thing. What's it bring us? It brings mercy to my life. It brings mercy, not just to my life, but to my, you know, for my, to my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents, to my son and to my grandkids and to my great-grandkids. As we fear God, God brings that mercy. And you know what? We need that mercy. I am so glad the scripture tells us that God's mercies are new every morning. And it starts with an understanding of fearing God, fearing him knowing he's in control and trusting his plan and his wisdom. Look at Matthew 10. Matthew 10, 28. Don't, this is Jesus speaking, don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. 
or kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This is Jesus speaking. Fear the Lord. What does this mean? Why is this important? It's simple. It brings my mindset from the temporal to the eternal. Listen and hear me here. Hear, hear, hear your pastor's heart when it comes to this. And I also mean this about Aaron too at times. Probably more than I'd like to admit. We spend a lot of time on things that are temporal. We spend a lot of time worrying and dealing and fixing things that are not going to be around very long. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't care about those things? No, please don't misunderstand me here. It's not about not caring at all versus caring all the way. It's about putting things in their proper perspective. You know what I find? I find people so overly concerned with something, hear me, that's going to go back to dirt and dust. But their spiritual body and their spiritual man or woman, there's no concern whatsoever. Listen, that body, it ain't gonna last, okay? Anybody that's getting older, I don't care if you're 28 or 48 or 78 or 108. You can all say the same thing. This is deteriorating. I don't know if I said that word right. This is not what it was 20 years ago. It's going back to the dirt. But you know what? I'll spend, and listen, and hear me here, hear me here. Don't, I'm not saying this is bad, okay? But we'll spend a lot of time on what we eat and how much exercise we get and going to the doctor, and are those things good? Absolutely. But listen, if you're spending all the time there, and you're not doing things to build up your spirit, there's an order here. There's a mindset that needs to be shift, folks. Okay? Come on. And again, hear me. I'm not saying that means that after service, we're all going to Baskin-Robbins and seeing how much ice cream we can eat. Okay? That's not a contest we're going to have. But at the same time, we have to understand that our mindset sometimes has to be shifted. And when we have a fear of the Lord, that mindset is usually in a better place. It's understanding that. The final one, Acts 9. We're just going to do five. There's more. We could be here all day, but Acts 9, 31. This is what it says. It says, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Now, I want to stop here. And, and Monica, you can come back to me because I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Uh, so people have to look at the verse and then you can go back to it in just a second when I finish it. Now, I want to give you a little context of where we are at in, in Acts 9. Okay? In Acts 9, a couple of things have taken place. Okay? Stephen has had rocks thrown at his head until he is dead. The church is beginning to scatter because of the persecution that it is under. This is not a moment in the church history where everything is peachy keen, jelly bean. This is a difficult time of starting to be intense persecution. Okay? This is the context of Acts 9. Okay? This is not a moment where you're walking around going, you bet I'm a Christian. That is dangerous. Okay? That is dangerous. Now, Monica, you put that back up there for me. Thank you so much. So let's go back to Acts 9. In Acts 9, so this is what we're seeing. The church then, now interesting, had peace in this moment throughout these areas. And it became stronger. When did it become stronger? And when did they get peace? As the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. Lived in the fear of the Lord. Listen and hear me. We want to have peace and get stronger. What is necessary for those things to take place? Fear of the Lord. But, but, but Aaron, it's hard right now. It doesn't matter that it's hard right now. It's difficult right now. There's persecution beginning maybe right now. Listen, they are dealing with things that we could not even dream of right now. 
And yet, because they had the fear of the Lord, they become at peace and are stronger. And listen, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. What do we need to understand about this? The fear of the Lord, it brings peace and makes me strong. Now, I want you to notice something here. And you've heard me say this 45 times, and I'll say it 45 more, and then probably another 452. Order here matters. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to grow, either numerically or, physically or, 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 or spiritually, or whatever, in a church, or in a group, or whatever else, okay? And so what we tend to do is we begin to put all our efforts into that concept of growth. Now, is growth bad? No, don't misunderstand me here. However, we have to see the order. The order is it starts with a fear of the Lord. That fear of the Lord brings forth a peace. That peace makes us strong. And then with the help of the Holy Spirit, meaning we can't do it on our own, then we see that growth take place. Even in the midst of difficult times, even in the midst of persecution, when we have a fear of the Lord, things can be changed in a heartbeat, in a moment. Why? Because God is bigger than any situation or persecution that we may face. But if we don't start there, if we are, have a spirit of fear, we're not going to move in the peace and in the strength and in the calling that God's asked us to be involved in. You see, a lot of Christians know stuff. A lot of times I know stuff, but my order gets so wrong. And then I don't understand why I'm not seeing the types of things that God wants us to experience and have. And sometimes we got to take a step back and go, listen, I know God promised this. I know God wants this. I know God is going to do this. But is my order incorrect in trying to help it all along? And sometimes God will say, hey, listen, you're missing step one, or you're missing this. It's so important. It's so important. The last, we're going to look at other verses, but the last verse we're going to look at in this section is Ecclesiastes 12. And I thought this was interesting because this, as we kind of finish this part, it kind of brings it all together. And basically, as Solomon is completing this book, this is what he says. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. The wisest man the Bible says that lived, this is what he's come up with. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Fear God, obey his commands. So let's look at this. How do we develop a fear of the Lord? How do we develop? Now, we're going to look at, at a verse, and I, I could have picked out literally, you know, 50 or so. But I just picked out one because I want us to understand. Now, before we get into this, there's a principle here that we need to understand before we move into application. Okay? So we're going to start with the principle Understand the principle, and that'll help as we look at the application. So let's look at Isaiah 40. In Isaiah 40, verse 12a, again, we could have picked many, 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 but this is what the one I picked. I like this one. This is what it says. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Now, I want you to stop and think about that. Who else has held the oceans, oceans, plural, in his hands. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I, I read that wrong. Hand. Hand. I want you to stop and listen. Fight in the name of Jesus. Fight. I've been in church my whole life. Right now, fight that to understand who our God is. Our God, with one hand, can pull out every ocean. I love when I hear these stories about these scientists, great, wonderful scientists. You know, we have no idea the depths of the ocean and where the ocean. God could literally, literally take the earth, this is weird, tip it upside down, dump every drop of water out of it, and just hold it in one hand. That's our God. 
that's who he is showing us he is. One hand. Every drop of water. I mean, I haven't been to the ocean lately, but I know when I did go, one thing I came away with was this. That's a lot of water. I'm not bright, okay? That's a lot of water. Our God, one hand. Let's keep going. Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who is... Now, now that concept of heavens, as we look at that and understand, that really is the concept of the universe. Okay? It's not heaven. It's heavens. What's that saying? This is how I took it. Because I didn't know this. I kind of looked at it this way. Okay? God can put every galaxy in the entire universe between here and here. Once again, love our scientists. We're discovering new galaxies. We're discovering blah, 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 We have no idea. The, 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 the universe is still expanding, and it still can fit between here and here. Now, now listen, does, does God have the thumb? And a, you get what I'm saying here. He's using something that we can comprehend to help us only, almost comprehend the incomprehensible. That God can hold it all right here. He can hold it all right here. So here, here's the thing. Here's the thing I thought about as I read that and I was meditating on that. You know what I, I kind of got? You know, maybe God was speaking to me. Maybe I just saw it. Everything, hear me here. Everything you fear is between here and here in God's hands. God's hands. Everything you fear, where's it at? It's in his hand. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear because everything is there. Everything is in his hand. The principle here is, is how big our God is, how awesome our God is. But here's the principle that we need to get. Listen. How do we develop a fear for the Lord? It's in your notes. We fear God by making God the biggest and the first. The biggest and the first. Okay? God is the biggest and the first. Okay, so let's look at this. How do we make God the biggest and the first? Now let's get into this application, okay? How do we do that? I get I have three things here that I think will help us in this. Number one, we need to make spiritual disciplines big and first. We need to make spiritual disciplines big and first. Now, what, Aaron, what are these spiritual disciplines that you're talking about? I could have listed more than this. I could have I put more, but I thought let's just start with easy four. Okay? It's real simple. We pray. We fast. We read our word. And we give. Those are the four we start with. Listen, don't worry about five, six, seven, and eight if we're not doing one, two, three, and four. Okay? Why did I pick these? It's real simple. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is sharing these things. We talked about this a couple years, maybe a couple years ago. I don't know when we talked about it. But basically, we see this concept. And Jesus doesn't say, if you pray, if you fast, if you... He says... When you give, when you fast, when you pray, when you understand more of who I am, which is revealed in his word. Listen, you want to have the fear of the Lord. How can we have the fear of the Lord if we're not around him? How can we, again, have that knowledge of him if we're never studying who he is? It starts there. Listen, you want to have the fear of the Lord? I'll get a simple question for you. Tell me, how's your prayer life? How's your Bible reading? How's your giving? How's your fasting? Listen, we don't do a 21-day prayer and fasting because I just want to lose five pounds after the holidays. We do it because it centers us on Jesus. It helps us have a fear and a knowledge of the Lord as we move into a new year. You want to have, make God the biggest and the first? Make spiritual disciplines big and first. Number two, 
Number two, and these aren't hard, these are easy, but we just got to do them. Number two, make obedience to God big and first. Make obedience to God big and first. Listen, hear me here. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. I understand teenagers. It's one of the things I'm, you know, I need to have not the spirit of fear, but the fear of the Lord when it comes to knowing that Easton one day will be a teenager, okay? And one of the things that I've learned about teenagers is teenagers have this amazing ability to literally take their eyeballs and somehow look back and see the back of their head when you ask them to do something, okay? I'll say, you know, hey, can you do this? All the way back. I remember that. And we, oh, you know, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Oh, you know, can, listen, how well, just knowing me the little bit that you do, how well do you think it went when I would ask a youth to do something and they just kind of looked at me and went, nah, nah, I don't think so. Do you think I went, oh, that'll be fine. My wife is down here. She will tell you that is not what happened. And because of that, it didn't happen very often either. But you know what we tend to do? God will say, remember, let's, let's, let's take a step back to the principle. God, ocean, galaxies, here. Hey, hey Aaron, I need you to do this. Aaron, I need you to, to accomplish this. Aaron, I want you to, to spend time in these spiritual disciplines. And you know what sometimes Aaron will do to the God that can hold an oceans in his hands and the galaxy between his fingers? You know, God, I don't think so. I'm good. Nah. Obedience. Obedience. Can you imagine how different your world would be and how different my world would be and how different our entire world would be if people just did what God told them to do. You see, here's the problem with this, okay? You can, hear me here. You cannot have the fear of the Lord and be disobedient to God at the same time. It is not possible. Why? Because in that moment that you disobey, your pride and your disrespect of God is much greater than your awe, respect, and honor of God. Period. Is that fun to hear? No. Is it fun to look at myself and point the finger at me and say, I do that too? too? No, it isn't. But at the same time, it's where we need to make some adjustments and allow God to say, you know what? If God asks me to do something, I am going to do it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter if I don't understand. It doesn't matter if I have a spirit of fear about it. That's when I need to give it to God and instead care more about the fear of the Lord than the spirit of fear. Why? Because the thing you fear the most will control you the most. We've got to have it. We've got to have it. If we don't, it won't matter. The last one. The last one. Make church life big and first. Make church life big and first. Now, this is an important one, okay? And this is one we need to understand and get. Because here's the thing, okay? Hear me here. I understand. I am, I am usually much more involved in it than you are, okay? I understand the imperfection of the church. I understand the imperfection of people who try to lead churches. I understand the imperfection of those that go to church. But you know what we find in Scripture? We find this concept that Jesus looks at his church and he calls it his bride. Now, Let's, let's look at something together, okay? I'm 150 pounds dripping wet, okay? But you don't disrespect my bride. If you do, we will have issues. Because I love my bride. Now listen, 
if anybody knows the imperfections of my bride, which there's like three, okay, you got to understand that, it's me, right? Because I'm married to my bride. I know my bride isn't perfect, but I love her just the same. And you better not disrespect her. You better not say things about her. But it is amazing how many Christians will talk about the bride of Christ in such disgusting, horrible ways, and it needs to stop. No wonder the world looks at us the way the world looks at us. We look at each other, and, and it's, it's, it's got to stop. We should understand that, you know what, God didn't save us, and all of a sudden we became perfect. We're being changed from glory to glory. It takes time, it takes effort, and you know what, sometimes there's some ugliness that still comes out. But yet Christ looked and said, that's my bride, that's my girl, that's the, that is the hope that I have put all this in, that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And yet we as Christians will sit there, twiddle our thumbs, and talk about how disgusting it is, and say disgusting things like, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. God forgive us. The bride of Christ matters. Church life matters. This is important. Listen, Scripture didn't give you the option, hear me here, hear my heart, to decide you don't want to be a part of a fellowship of believers. Now, listen, I know in today's world that looks a lot different than it did 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> it looks different than five years ago. But the bottom line is this. You are commanded just as I am to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why? Because God understands the importance of church life. God understands the importance of us coming together and learning together and understanding together and iron sharpening iron and us celebrating and rejoicing when things are going well and praying and, and weeping when things are hard. We don't have to be alone. Some of us choose it. Why? I truly believe part of it is because there's such a spirit of fear. And here's the thing. You can have, you, all those things a lot of times are true, but we've got to fear God more. You know, I was, I was thinking about something and I was looking at something and, and, and here's what's cool, you know, when you talk about the church and talk about um, the fear of the Lord and, and this whole thing. You know where, um, because here's the thing, here's, here's, here's great news. There, there, Around our world, there, there is some major revivals happening. There is some major, major stuff. And, and I believe, and it's taken me a little bit to get there because my mind sometimes doesn't always, but, but I'm starting to really come around to this thought that, you know what, I, I, I'm starting to see, I'm really starting to believe that God is going to bring something here to this world, to, 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 to America. That we're going to get to this place where, where God is going to unleash some things and he needs to do it and we need it bad. But right now, where those places are, you know, you know where those are taking place? Middle East and China. We are seeing unbelievable moves of God in some of those places. And I saw, I'm going to show you a video. I saw this video, oh, years ago. I don't even remember when. And as I was putting this together, he was like, God said, you need to show that. And so it's a four-minute video. And it's important that we catch this. Now listen, I am not showing this to you to make you feel guilty or to bring forth shame. Those are from the enemy. If you start to feel those things, that's the enemy. Get rid of them. However, I am showing us this to wake us up and to help us see some things that I believe God wants us to see. So, Monica, can you go ahead and roll this video, please? Thank you. Let me finish with this uh, story. Uh, we go to China from time to time, and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. 
And this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in and when you teach in China, you start at eight in the morning and you don't get done till five at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well. I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out, obviously seven didn't get them, and I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway, and as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize many chapters? She said, in prison. She said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. And you guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. I mean, God forgive us. Remember I had someone come into my office once. And look, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not a prophet. I'm not trying to be one. And they made the comment, oh, persecution's coming to the church in America. They may be right. I kind of doubt it, though, for this, this reason. It might actually wake us up. We actually might start acting like the church. 
They're like followers of Jesus who fear God more than what our neighbors might think. You see, Emily and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago, and we were talking, and I listened to my wife when it comes to, I don't listen to her all the things, I probably ought to, but when she speaks on some spiritual things, I listen very closely because I know she has a close relationship with her father. And we were talking, and she kind of made the comment about she believes, and I agree with her, there is coming a day, and it's very soon, I believe, where a line's going to be drawn, and we're going to have to make some decisions. We're going to have to decide who we fear the most. And I want to end this message with a verse in Malachi. If the worship team wants to come on up. Malachi is an interesting book because it's the last book of the Old Testament and there's a lot of theologians and I agree that a lot of Malachi was written to the end time church, to the end time people. And I believe we're in the, the last days. And it's interesting. And, and, and I, I, what's interesting, you know, like the, the Bible's big and, and I'm not, I haven't memorized enough. But I didn't, I didn't know this verse was here and I feel like I, when, I, when, when God led me to it, I, I was just like, my mind just went, this is it. This is where we are as a church. This is where we are as a community of believers. This is, this is it. This is, this is where we are in this moment. This is what it says in Malachi 3, starting with verse 16 and going to 18. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. Listen to what God says. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. And look at verse 18. Then you will see again the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who do not. You see, here's the thing. I believe we're in a time right now where you can fake it. I do. You can play the game. You can know when to sit down, stand up, do all the stuff. But I believe very strongly those days are very soon coming to an end. And we're going to have to figure out what we fear the most, what we honor the most, what we respect the most, what we want the most. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. But I'll tell you this, this may be, well, of course, Aaron, but you know what? It's true. We're a day closer today than we were yesterday. But this day is coming. And I believe with all my heart, it's time for us to put away the spirit of fear and instead put on the fear of the Lord. We want God to do what we believe God wants to do in this world and in this country and in our church and in our homes. We start with the fear of the Lord. Not fear of something that can destroy the body, not fear of some other person, not fear of a situation or a circumstance or what might be said, but the fear of the Lord. There's so many of us in our world today that are petrified of things that don't matter. But when it look, we look at our God who can hold the ocean in his hands and the galaxies between his fingers, we look at him and we go, you know, God, you're just not that important. But you know what? What Sally says on Facebook sure matters a lot. God, forgive us. We walk into churches 
we complain about the pastor not feeding us or not having enough programs or, 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 or this or that and we walk away in disgust. We fear our own comfort more than we fear the God who spoke the very world into existence and gave his only begotten son so we could come home. You go, Aaron, this is kind of, I get the fear angle, but you know what? What does this have to do with courage? What? what, what? Listen, one thing I've learned about courage, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And it takes courage in our world today to say, you know what? Most, the biggest and the first is my God. And everything else is secondary. And so, Father, we come to you right now as a broken people. As a people that quite honestly have allowed a spirit of fear to be the controlling factor in our lives. Now, God, I'm not saying that all of us are in this moment all the time, but at least I can just speak for me. There are times when I allow the spirit of fear that comes from the enemy to control me more than the fear of the Lord. And Father, I come to you as I believe all of us need to, and I repent. I repent, Father. Because I know you're in control. I know you're big and strong and mighty. I know that, that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So, Father, forgive me. And, Father, help me and help us as we have understood that and as we understand the principle of your bigness, your greatness, your awesomeness, your power, all these things, that we understand that principle, that then we can begin to move into the application of being obedient, of focusing in on those spiritual disciplines and not forsaking the gathering of ourselves together. But Father, we need your help because we are in a battle that we need your help and your courage to win. But we know you'll do it. We know you'll do it. Father, let us be that group that is spoken about in Malachi. Let us be those people that fear you above all else and let us be that special treasure. Because that verse says judgment is coming. But we desire to be known as Christ followers. We desire to be numbered among the righteous because we have followed you, because we have given our lives to you, because we have allowed the fear of the Lord to control us over all other things. Father, in your word, we saw constantly people being afraid. But you know what we also saw? We saw the fear of the Lord being greater than their fear. And when that happened, awesome things took, giants fell, victories were won, people were set free, dead things became alive again. And God, you want to do the same today. You are just looking for people who will fear you above all else. Let us be that person. Transform us into those individuals. Help us, God. Help us, Father. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come close this in a chorus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I just, I just feel like we need to close in this way. Um, feel like this is what God would have me do. In that video, the, the, the Chinese leaders that were in his class, you know, they asked for prayer. And he, and, you know, he, he said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to pray that. But he did say he would pray. And I just feel led by the Lord to join him in that prayer for me and for you and for every individual that will or has will ever see this online that God will transform us and so father we come to you right now and father I pray that you would change us from the inside out we would you would change us to a people that to hear your word, no distance is too great. No, no, in, no, no, no lack of comfort is too problematic. That Father, if, if tomorrow every Bible was confiscated, it wouldn't matter because we would have hidden your word so well in our hearts. And they can't take that away. Father, I am praying that you would transform us into people that fear you above all else, over any man, over any woman, over any comment, over any government, over any situation or circumstance, over any sickness, over anything else. Make us like that. Change us into those types of people. Because we will sit there, Father, and we'll say, God, bring revival. God, do all these things. And we're not even willing to get out of bed to come to church. God, forgive us. Change us. Father, remember, and we help us to know you discipline those you love to help us, to transform us, to make us more like you. So Father, even though it's not always fun, we accept your discipline, we accept your love, we accept your desire to form us and shape us. We accept your desire to make us just like you. Less of us, more of you. And we know that's what you want to do. Because you want us numbered in the righteous. You want us ready for whatever you have in store for your church, your bride. Because it's great things and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It'll go marching through. Even in its imperfection, even in its mess-ups, it will be victorious because you have said so. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Thank you all for being here. I love you so very much. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We can't wait to see you here again really soon. Hope everybody has a wonderful week. I love you so much. We'll talk to you soon.